Gumbo listeners, we are back with episode number 123. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and today I have Kim Weinzero, Director of Data at Radio Systems Corporation. And Kim recently became the Director of Data for Radio Systems Corp, which includes PetSafe, Invisible Fence, and Sport Dog. She was the Chief Data Officer for the State of Tennessee, an Assistant Vice President at Peking Insurance, and the Enterprise Information Management Division Manager at Caterpillar. She has over 30 years of experience in all aspects of IT with a continual focus on data management and data quality. In this episode, she provides details on how to implement a data governance strategy, some of the challenges of deploying data governance, and how to measure the success of a data governance program. Now, Let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. OS Nexus makes the QuantaStore industry-leading software-defined storage, SDS, platform, which is used by some of the largest cloud service providers like IBM. Visit osnexus.com for more details, including a free trial. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Kim. How are you today? I'm doing terrific. How are you, Demetrius? I am fantastic, and I am truly grateful to have you on the show today. And you are over at Radio Systems Corporation. Do you mind explaining to everyone on the Gumbo what is Radio Systems Corporation? Yeah, a terrific company um, selling consumer packaged goods, and you may know them as PetSafe. Invisible Fence, Kurgo, uh, Premier Pet, so a number of pet supply uh, uh, type companies that they represent. Well, um, I'm glad you and I got connected together. And um, as you and I were having a conversation, you mentioned that you have a book that you will be publishing soon or you've already published it. It's a book on data governance. Is that correct? Correct. Um, And it is out. Uh, actually went out around October 19th, so brand nice. new. I'm gonna have to. You're gonna have to send me a link so I can buy it. I will do that. <laughs> so, so why a book on data governance? Yeah, so got a number of reasons. The main reason is during this time of COVID, I spent the better part of the last 12, 18 months um, sharing my experience, uh, you know, on how I do data governance. Um, in a number of different webinars. So those webinars would end with attendees saying, how can I learn more? Where can I learn more? (laughs) Um, I have uh, created a data governance. The book is called the Data Governance Guidebook and Playbook. Um, This guidebook and playbook is my own uh, instruction book for deploying data governance. So I I started it, more than a decade ago, probably, just as my my own work, my own reminder, my own process, um, and you know what I would teach others, other folks such as data owners, data stewards from. So after doing a number of webinars, it's like gosh, I should uh, I should probably turn uh, my own tools here into a book as uh, a bit of a lightweight framework to deploy data governance. So there's you know there's a number of different ways to deploy data governance. This is one of many, and it kind of hits all the high points. So you work through this easy framework, 
Um, and in the end, uh, to some degree, you are actually doing data governance. Another reason I would have is, I mean, data quality is just through the roof in popularity right now. It's reached the point where businesses are starting to understand and even individuals are starting to understand like data is your keys to insight. And once you have that insight, you can get yourself to better performance. And, you know, I don't, it doesn't seem to matter if you're a company, a manufacturer, a shipper, an athlete, you know, everyone is using data to, to boost performance and understand, um, you know, how to become more efficient. So just that overall popularity uh, tends to continue to grow. Okay. And so let, let's, let's go back to the term data, data governance, right? What is it? What, what's your definition of data governance? Data governance. If you say that fast 10 times, you could <laughs> do a tongue twister on it. But uh, what's your definition of that, Kim? Yeah, it's uh, very high level managing your data as you would an asset, uh, which is hard to do because it's not something you can hold in your hands and lock up. Um, but it's that important to you uh, that you want to you want to treat it with care. You want to keep it clean. You want to keep it safe. You want to make sure it's ready for use at any time you want to. Um, so all of that. Uh, you know, leads you to, to understanding how do I do those things with some, with a, a thing that's not a physical object per se, um, you know, how exactly did you do that? So uh, that's how I define what data governance is. Mm, okay. So t take me back maybe 20 years. I'm not calling your age here. <laughs> you, you do look You're younger safe with that. <laughs> than you appear. <laughs> but let, let's let's walk back 20 years and the value of data 20 years ago versus the value of data now, because I've seen terms like data is the new oil and just all of these different phrases of data uh, being this huge and expensive and, you know, thing that you hold close to your vest. And it's just, you know, insightful. Right. Um, walk us through maybe a timeline or the reason why data has traveled the way it has traveled, right? And the yeah. value of data, why, why has it grown? Can you mind giving us like your story on that? Yeah, and I do. I have a theory um, and okay. it's in the first chapter of the book, actually. <laughs> I need to read it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, this is how I explain it to people. Um, way back when think of a time before computers if if you can <laughs> or if you can mm -hmm. even imagine it okay um if you had a company you had a set of uh accounting books i mean they were physical books they were these big ledgers you brought you know they were locked in the safe at night uh the appropriate person that had the appropriate authority would unlock the safe get the books out open the books and the you know, um, appropriate people would write in the books. Um, and then at the end of the day, you'd close the books, you'd put them back, you know, in the safe, lock them up. Somebody, you know, uh, takes the key or takes the combo with them. Um, and that was it. You know, there was no IT, there was no computers, there was no data storage that was in effect your data storage. Um, 
at times you would audit that to make sure it's staying accurate because that is, you know, the story of your business. Uh, then at, at some point, many, many decades ago, computers came along and those books moved from that locked safe where the business owners kept them and used them and made sure they were accurate. And it moved to computers. And when that happened, the computer folks took over that responsibility. They locked it up at night. They backed it up. They at times audited it. And it's almost like the pendulum swung too far, you know, and, and IT has been responsible for data, data quality more than they should have for, you know, the last 30 plus years. So then, you know, as IT started to, to grow in popularity, you had your data, but like, it wasn't where you got your insights. It wasn't where you got your competitive advantage. It was in the applications mm -hmm. that were written. Okay. Um, you know, I spent the early part of my career writing application factory applications because there were no ERP systems. Really? So, hmm. yeah. So data was still, you know, there <laughs> part of the background, but um, your competitive advantage was really your, um, your systems you were mm. writing. Okay. Um, but now in today's age, you know, you can buy a business in a box, you can buy ERP systems. So the main thing that uh, companies need to con concern themselves with now is how does their data flow through it? And okay. what does their data say? Mm. So that's my story of what how we've, uh, how this has all evolved. Man, it's, it's so many questions that just popped in, <laughs> into my brain as you were speaking and, and kind of going down that timeline. Just off topic, have you heard about Facebook's name change to Metaverse? What, what did you think about that? I'm not, I've been uh, kind of searching for the real reason. I know what I've read is that they are interested in, mm -hmm. you know, showing the world, telling the world that they are beyond just social media now. Um, so I understand that, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm good with yeah. it. I think we'll all call it Facebook for a very long time. Yeah. And you know, I, when I, when I was kicked off season four, I, because I took a hiatus with the podcast for over two years where I, I didn't record a single episode. And when I came back two years later, I started off with saying that we're moving into this phase of Ready Player One. And I'm not sure if you've seen that movie or not. I've not. It, oh, you got to see that it. movie. You got to see that movie. I so I think Steven Spielberg wrote the movie. He directed the movie. And it takes place in the year 2045, I think, where the real world where everyone goes to work and play is in the virtual world. So Earth looks like crap. Okay, everyone's living in these stacked up. It looks like kind of a third world country where everyone's poor, but all the wealth and everything exists when you put on your goggles, your virtual reality goggles. So you go into this, this new world and everything is just AI and virtual reality driven. So the reason I ask you that question is because the name change and what uh, Zuckerberg is, is really trying to do is push everyone into this virtual world where we're, we're bound to go anyway because COVID kind of started that, um, right? You know, everyone's yeah, at home, got a head start. stuck at home. For sure. <laughs> right. And so it just all reminded me uh, of that, that whole conversation. Now, 
question for you. What, what do you think is the biggest challenge with deploying like a data governance plan within a organization? Yeah, like a lot of things, it's us. It's the people. Um, if you don't have, so the book talks about the eight elements of data governance, and there is some logical connection between the eight. Some can be worked linear or not, but box number one is called organization. Um, and what I say in the book, and again, this is straight out of my experience, if you don't have support for it um, through leadership, like don't even start. <laughs> uh, you know, you're gonna, your benefits are gonna be few and far between. Um, funding won't be there, interest won't be there, uh, unless you can get in and show some, you know, really big wins early on, like the, it, it, it's not going to go anywhere. So the biggest hurdle uh, in my experience has always been educating leadership to the point that they understand why we're even doing it. And, and they support the idea that this isn't like a one and done, this becomes a new business function. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, unless it's a very big company, usually not a full-time job, but it does become a business function that is ongoing. So uh, that's that's been my biggest challenges. Okay. So you said box number one is organization, right? Correct. You you mind sharing box number two, if 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 you remember? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I I remember. <laughs> I've read this book hundreds of times. <laughs> Um, box number two is policies. So if you're going to treat data as an asset, like you got to have the laws around it. Like, why are we even doing it? What's important? So policies around protection, uh, access, um, you know, backing up, retention, uh, you know, those types of things. And a lot of times those can be common policies, uh, you know, across your entire company. So you know, it doesn't mean that each time you put data under governance, you're writing a whole new set of policies. A lot of them can just be adopted or slightly uh, modified in order to be able to, uh, you know, use them. Okay. Now, so number two is policies, and you mentioned access, um, backup, retention, et cetera. What, what have you seen just from an overall protecting that data? more from a backup perspective, making sure that you have a copy in a safe place in case something bad happens to it. Have you seen any trends around protecting data just from a backup and storage perspective? Uh, absolutely. I mean, cloud. cloud <laughs> if, you, yes. if you're not doing it in the cloud, like uh, you're probably scrambling to do that. Uh, the cloud. And again, I'm, I'm somewhat removed from the technical details of mm -hmm. that, but uh, that's okay. It, it solves a lot of the, the problems that you have, whether it's around GDPR or other mm -hmm. things. It just seems like when you uh, start backing up in the cloud, uh, some of that's taken care of. Now, you don't want to expect it or assume it. You still need to understand and check it out. But a lot of that technical difficulty uh, is taken care of for you. Right. Do you, do you think that now that the cloud is a is a thing and, and a lot of corporations and enterprises are moving more and more and migrating more and more of their workloads to the cloud, do you think that that's adding more complexity to governing the data? Um, I think it's the same because it doesn't really matter where the data 
since, in, in my opinion. Mm, okay. um, and what's happening around data governance space, okay. a number of tools that we've been using for other purposes, such as data cataloging or um, data modeling or even our ETL, you know, extract, transform, load data movement tools, they are all um, capturing data governance data for you now. So um, it's only it's only getting better as the tools evolve. Hmm. Okay. So w- would you say that that's maybe one of the driving factors behind uh, more and more enterprise companies being kind of into data governance? Um, like, wh- what do you think are the driving factors behind data governance? Yeah, I think it's uh, the companies understanding that that's how they get to their insight. You know, the uh, the gut feels, the, you know, superficial look at, you know, competitors. Uh, it's just not cutting it anymore. So um, you've got to get to that data and you've got to be nimble enough um, to have your data tell you what you don't already know um, and form your own hypotheses and then, you know, have that data available near real time <laughs> to be able to make the decisions that people are making today. Um, an, an example that's happened with COVID and a lot of us are feeling this right now is the uh, overseas shipping function. Mm, s- um, supply chain problems that yeah, are happening. Yeah. Like, yeah, so the ships sitting out there, I mean, uh, a lot of companies have grown up to where they get their logistics data monthly or weekly. And uh, now it's to the point like, you know, we kind of need this daily uh, and have it be very, very accurate in case we need to uh, s- uh, switch shippers or do something different. I, I didn't think about supply chain and the whole behind the scenes uh, movement that happens when we order something um, like just from Amazon or wherever we order it from, right, o- online, that there is a whole um, new world behind, you know, just the, the systems that, that run um, the data categorization and being able to go online and put your credit card information in. And then there's so many moving parts and components. But one thing that's remained true is that physical component. It's kind of like, yeah, data has moved to the cloud, but it's sitting physically somewhere on a system. You just don't know exactly where it's sitting and which system it's sitting on, If especially if you are a consumer like us. Right. Um, let's say there is a small, medium, or large organization or enterprise that's out there right now. They're starting to walk down the path of creating a data governance um, strategy. How, how would they measure the success of that program once they started moving down that road? What do you think are some of the ways that they could say, yes, this is, this is successful for us. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of ways and they're pretty much split between qualitative and quantitative. Um, I do, I list a dozen or so in the book that I typically use. Um, but if we look at the qualitative things, uh, you know, the, the time to make decisions, you know, if you, let's go back to that shipping example. Hey, our our uh, logistics carrier is backed up. We need to consider what our options are. I need data. Okay, I'll get your data in two weeks. Well, 
you know, if you're shipping daily, now you got 14 days of product uh, stacking up somewhere. So um, that time to be able to, to make a decision, that is a very good uh, uh, qualitative type measurement. Another thing is time just on your um, employees, on your IT staff, the time to find data, clean data, connect data, aggregate data. Um, you know, there's a lot of data scientists that are eager to do data science work. Uh, and in my experience, we're still sitting at more than 50% of their time is spent doing this, find the data, clean the data, inter integrate the data. Uh, if you know, imagine a world where the majority of that's done and our data scientists are truly doing data science mm -hmm. work again, getting that intelligence, getting that insight, wisdom, much, much quicker. Uh, a couple quantitative ones, you know, uh, if you want to measure just specifically the success of your program, number of people trained in it, uh, number of uh, data definitions created, you know, there's a lot of things right around the program or the framework um, that you can measure uh, as well. Mm -hmm. One that I've had a very good success with is um, time to complete uh, transformation projects. Okay. So let's say you're implementing a big ERP system and you're going from 80 systems down to one. If you've got good data and good data governance, you literally shave months off of, and in times, uh, years off of that project really hmm. to do that transformation. Hmm. Does that also apply to maybe like a CRM system? Are you Oh, sure. You see, you see those as well, like uh, big users of Salesforce or other CRM platforms. Yeah, um, I'm getting, I'm getting closer and closer to that. I have deployed CRM processes in the past, not, not a lot with the tools, but same thing. Uh, it could be CRM, it could be your uh, a new financial system, it could be an ERP system. Uh, any large system deployments or transformations you're trying to do. Uh, if you have data governance wrapped around that existing data that's going into it, it, it uh, is a, a gigantic time savings. You know, I mentioned artificial intelligence and machine learning. Are, are you also, th does that play a role in, in data governance? Um, maybe like when organizations have to teach uh, machines in these systems, right? They have to load them with data and teach them all about, you know, whatever they want them to learn. They just kind of pile up all the data and said, hey, I want to teach you how to recognize if someone was happy or sad, right? So they load up all the images of these faces and they kind of tell them yes and no and, and all of that. Are you seeing AI and ML like really enter the picture and how does data governance deal with that? I've seen it enter the picture a couple times, but it's still, uh, in my experience, is still in like trial and error mode. Um, if if the data, if you have true data quality problems, of course you're going to get like false positives, and and you don't, you're not going to want that <laughs> uh, for AI or machine learning. But um, I haven't seen. I think governance around the data used for that is going to be much lighter weight mm -hmm. um, because they typically use big data, you okay, know, massive yeah. amounts of data. So <clears throat> it's not something that uh, you would wrap tight governance around, but you're going to want to know the basics, who owns the data, who, you know, 
if there is a data quality level, what is it? Um, things like that. But I think it's where I've been, it's still pretty new. All right. And just for a, a CIO out there who's on the fence of maybe implementing a data governance strategy or a plan, what would you say to that CIO? Do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're kind of late. Uh, and, and one thing that I find every new place I go into, whether it's a new department at my current company or a new company, like bits and pieces of it are already happening. So like your very first phase of deployment will be like, what do we already have? Cause you, you're doing something. It's not like you're going to be starting from scratch. So you're either taking what you're already doing and just formalizing it and uh, replicating it across the company. Um, a lot of times there are things missing. So you learn what you have and then you start adding to it. But um, don't think that it's, you know, it's a brand new, it's something additional that we have to do because you're already doing it. You're just maybe doing it in a, an unstructured form that um, uh, isn't giving you the, the, the value that it could be if you were, would uh, formalize it a little bit. Got it. And one, one final question for you, which is around security. Have you seen ransomware impact data governance? I don't know if that would, if that would actually be a thing or not, but is that a thing? Um, it's not, I haven't seen a be necessarily a thing, although box number six is all around admin and controls. So that's, that's your security box. So ransomware would, would fit in there. So, uh, that's another thing that kind of lights a fire under maybe we should do data governance is when there is a breach, unfortunately, yeah, the security team gets, gets attention. And, uh, to some degree, you know, the data governance comes in and, um, has, has a part of that as well with the, uh, administration mm. and the okay. controls around it. All right. One closing question. It's a personal one. So brace yourself. Okay. Cam. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> All right. I'm giving you the opportunity to travel back in time. What would you tell your 14-year-old self? I would tell my 14-year-old self, I think, to be, to be brave and to be outgoing. I, it seems like in the IT world, as well as a number of other professions, it tends to draw the introverts. Um, and yes. if you live your life that way, um, you don't get opportunities like this to share and help others. So I agree. You know, yeah. At that point in my life, I was probably severely introverted. So <laughs> um, that's what I would tell myself. Okay. Well, nice. I appreciate it. How can Gumbo listeners access your book? So do you mind maybe providing a link or telling us the website and your social media information? If um, you don't sure. Mind? Yeah, it's uh, you can find it on Amazon. Um, published October 2021 okay. called the Data Governance Guidebook and Playbook uh, by a Practitioner for Practitioners. Um, I publish my email address in there, which is really simple kim at winesorrow.com uh, so you can reach me there um, also online uh, if you want to learn more uh, data management university has recorded uh, i think it's a half hour maybe 45 minutes of me um, talking about how this was deployed at the state of tennessee 
So this would have, uh, I was the chief data officer at state of Tennessee, um, took this framework and deployed it there. So uh, there is a recorded video um, out there about it. Also, uh, if I can do a couple commercials. <laughs> yeah, do as many as you like. Okay, I'm gonna be speaking uh, at the Data Governance and Information Quality Conference in San Diego on uh, December 8th for an hour about this. Um, that's so much the book. Also, I will be presenting for two days about this framework at um, Enterprise Data World on March 24th and 25th. And there's a uh, book release party on December 9th at 11 a.m., which is just a 15-minute call-in with the publisher. Publishers, um, Techniques Publications, they uh, do a little book party. Awesome. Well, that, that is exciting. I do appreciate the insight that you have provided um, just around data governance and also um, other details that, that you have uh, provided us about your book. So I do recommend Gumbo listeners that you go out and uh, purchase the book from Amazon, read it, take a look at it, reach out to Kim and, you know, let her know your thoughts, what you're, what you're thinking, or, you know, maybe she can give you some hints and tips about, you know, implementing a data governance strategy, you know, within your organization. So I think it'll be huge. And uh, I appreciate you appearing on Data Protection Gumbo, Kim, and we'll talk again in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much, Demetrius. This was, uh, this was very fun. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.